Welcome to another episode of the MBA podcast. My name is Hugo Morales, and in this occasion, I have the pleasure to interview the lead authors of the recently published paper entitled Task Force Consensus on Nosology and Cutoff Values for Actual Postural Abnormalities in Parkinsonism. This study is part of the Task Force on Postural Abnormalities of the International Parkinson's and Movement Disorder Society. Today, we have the first authors of the study, Dr. Miquel Tinasi and Dr. Christian Giroin, and also the senior author, Dr. Carlo Alberto Artusi. Thank you, doctors, for agreeing for this interview. I will start first with Dr. Professor Miquel Tinasi. Professor Tinasi, can you tell us a little bit of, of yourself? Good day, everyone. I'm Miquel Tinasi. I'm a full professor of neurology and the head of the MDS unit of the University of Verona, Italy. I would like to thank uh, the Movement Disorder Society for uh, giving us uh, the, uh, the opportunity to present uh, this podcast, uh, dealing with the preliminary data of our MDS task force on axial postural abnormalities uh, in Parkinsonism. According to the mandate uh, of the International Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society, Task Force on Postural Abnormalities in Parkinsonism, we present our consensus study on the nosology and the cutoff values of postural abnormalities recently published in Movement Disorder Clinical Practice. So let me, before starting the question, I would like to thank also senior and young members involved in task force for their relevant contribution and appearing in this first manuscript. So thank you again to the Movement Society and to the senior and young members of this task force. Thank you, Professor Tinasi. I would like to take this opportunity to actually have some insight from your experience, and this is relevant for the audience as well. But can you tell us a little bit of some of the clinical perspectives of this study. So what are the postural abnormalities in Parkinsonism and how frequent they can be in Parkinson's disease? And so and also an idea on how much these actual or postural abnormalities can affect these patients in daily life. Okay. Postural abnormalities are motor symptoms complicating the clinical picture of patients with Parkinsonism. And they are referred as a, an abnormal spinal flexions appearing in different conditions, for example, while sitting or standing, and worsened during walking, and usually resolved in light position. So they are frequent complications in Parkinson's disease. The estimated prevalence in Parkinson's disease, as we published in a previous multicenter Italian study, is about 20%, including Campocormia, is a syndrome, anticolis, or even higher when considering mild forms. So they are relevant in terms of epidemiology and can occur either in isolated or combined forms and can be accompanied by other musculoskeletal comorbidities like scoliosis. And most importantly, they are associated with an increased prevalence of back pain, sometimes false, and of course, high level of disability with a reduced quality of life. 
And moving into one of the aims of the study, so I wonder what was the rationale behind the idea of actually establishing a consensus for actual foster abnormalities? And I know that in the past, the several studies of several cohorts have established not only the prevalence, but also the descriptions of these actual abnormalities. But this study is new in terms of defining what actually are these actual abnormalities. So again, can you describe for us what was the rationale behind developing this consensus, please? Okay. Yes, despite uh, such a remarkable clinical impact uh, and the pathophysiology of this uh, uh, motor complication remains uh, largely unknown and the current pharmacological and non-pharmacological treatment options may at best offer only short-term and partial improvements. The progress of research in the diagnosis, management, and prevention of these motor complications continues to be hampered by two basic issues related. First, related to the lack of consensus on nosology and cutoff values, leading to an extreme heterogeneity in the literature. And it's for this reason, the rationale behind this consensus and this task force is the first to reach a consensus regarding the nosology and the cutoff values. Yeah, so I think that this is important for moving into large clinical trials addressing these problems of actual pulturing uh, abnormalities in Parkinson's disease. So overall, what, what the a study was aiming for is to to bring order into the definitions, yeah. as far as I understand. Now, let's move to Dr. Carlo Alberto Tursi. And Dr. Artusi, would you like to introduce yourself? And then let's move to the questions. Okay, hello everyone. Thank you very much for the kind invitation. I'm Carlo Alberto Tursi. I'm an assistant professor in neurology, working at the Department of Neuroscience of the University of Turin, and I'm a member of the task force on postural normalities in Parkinsonism. So I participated in coordinating this effort for reaching a consensus on nosology and cutoff criteria for postural normalities in Parkinsonism. Thank you, Dr. Atusi. Now, can you explain to our audience how this consensus is reached and, and what does that entail for other experts to, to do, evaluate, or define to just sort of make a more homogeneous consensus for these descriptions? And also can explore briefly the definitions based on the consensus about pizza syndrome, captocormia, and anticholis, please. Yes, sure. The, the study methodology was based on obtaining an expert consensus by means of a Delphi panel approach on two main aspects, as I said, also by Professor Tinazzi previously, the nosology of post-normalities in Parkinson's disease and their cutoff. The Delphi approach is a method to achieve convergence of opinion among a panel of experts and in our case, these are the senior members of the Movement Disorder Society Task Force on Postural Normalities. 11 Movement Disorder Specialists encompassing not only neurologists, but also neurosurgeons and physiotherapists were selected to answer questionnaires through several rounds of two different sequential surveys. The first one related to the nosology and the second one on cutoff criteria. 
Finally, these agreements were solved by web-based meetings to promote an interactive discussion before reaching a final consensus. So for the first part of the project, the one on nosology, experts were asked to choose the best term to define different postural normalities commonly seen during clinical practice by anonymized questionnaire. An example of a question was, which term is the most appropriate to identify reversible severe lateral transflexion in a patient with Parkinson's disease? And panelists had a wide range of choices based on a preliminary literature review on the topic. And in the first round of the survey, they also had the option to propose a term that was not enlisted in the questionnaire. And a consensus for each question prepared in the service was predefined as at least 70% agreement among the panelists. And so the same survey was then resent to all panelists, excluding the items for which a consensus was already reached. And for the aspects still needing consensus, narrowing the list of options to those chosen at least by two panelists during the previous round. So I think that, in my opinion, the most interesting achievement of this part of the study is the classification of two different types of postural normalities in Parkinson's. The classical severe forms, as you already mentioned, so camptochormia, pisa syndrome, and antacolis, and another group of postural abnormalities, which represent clearly abnormal posture, but not severe enough to be defined camptochormia, pisa syndrome, and antacolis. And in this way, we have let's say, officially recognized for the first time that a mild lateral transflexion, for instance, five degrees of bending of the trunk on the right, is a disease sign, is a postural normality, but now with its own name, specifically uh, lateral transflexion, even if it does not reach the level of severity commonly used to define Pisa syndrome. Thus, at the end of this first step, we have reached an agreement on the terms PISA syndrome, camptochormia, and antecolis for the severe forms of axial postural normalities. And on the terms lateral transflexion, anterior transflexion, and anterior neck flexion for those postural normalities not reaching the severity to be called PISA syndrome, camptochormia, and antecolis. Importantly, we have agreed to acknowledge that the terms camptochormia and anterior transflexion should always be reported along with the level of the fulcrum of the mm -hmm. trunk bending, specifically the lumbar fulcrum or the thoracic fulcrum. So there's clearly, sorry. Oh, this is about the first step of the yes. study. So just to recap, so there's clearly a differentiation between the camptochormia with a thoracic and lumbar. And PISA syndrome and anticholis are defined now with a specific category of severity or the most severe spectrum of this. And then there's an intermediate category when they're determined to be anterior trunk flexion at the lumbar or thoracic spine and also anterior neck flexion. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And then and lateral trunk flexion. Exactly. Yeah. Now, and regarding the cutoff values, is it something that I can see just by reading the paper, this is something that hasn't been done before. This is a new category. So is it highly recommended for neurologists and movement disorder specialists to sort these differentiations or different values as well? Yeah, this is quite new because a previous consensus was reached about camptochormia, but not about the PISA syndrome and anticholis. 
first yeah. of all. And the second one, we also would add this uh, important aspect of the, let's say, milder forms of post-learn normality. So the second step of the project aimed to reach a consensus on the cutoff to distinguish normal post from mild post normalities and mild post normalities from severe post normalities. A similar methodology of the previous with the Delphi panel approach uh, was used for the second survey. However, in this case, we use the support of patients' pictures and we ask panelists to apply the terms cited in the previous survey to describe patients with different degrees of trunker neck flexion. And to make a longer story short, we finally agreed on the following uh, definition presented in the paper. So we have a lateral transflexion in Parkinson's disease and an involuntary transflexion on the right and on the left of over five degrees, but inferior mm -hmm. to 11 degrees. While yep. Pisa syndrome is an involuntary transflexion on the right or on the left of over 10 degrees. Yep. Anterior transflexion was differently judged according to the level of the fulcrum thoracic or lumbar, and considering the thoracic fulcrum, we agreed that an angle lower than 25 degrees was considered a normal posture. Between 25 and 45 degrees, an anterior trunk flexion, and over 45 degrees is camptochormia. Considering the lumbar fulcrum, meaning the flexion of the lower part of the spinal hips, we agreed on the term anterior trunk flexion with an angle between 16 and 30 degrees, and camptochormia with an angle of flexion over 30 degrees. Finally, we defined anterior neck flexion, an involuntary flexion of the neck on the spine between 36 and 45 degrees, and anticholis flexion over 45 degrees. And Dr. Tusi, just for the clinicians listening to this podcast, is there any way that you recommend to do these measurements in these patients? Yeah, sure. To measure the angles of trunk and neck flexion, uh, we relied on previously validated methods based on quick and simple measurement uh, by drawing a few lines on pictures of patients standing frontally or sagittally against a wall. So it's quite easy and quick, but there is also available a free web-based software provided by the University of Kiel and developed by Dr. Margaret, that is one of the task force members, called NeuroPosture App which is free and easily searchable by Google, uh, which allow a very easy and time-saving evaluation of all these angles in a couple of minutes. Okay, thank you. Now let's move to Dr. Christine Gerain. Dr. Gerain, would like to introduce yourself? Yes, good day everyone, and thank you very much for this kind invitation. My name is Christian Gerain. I'm assistant professor at the University of Verona, Italy. And I'm one of the authors contributing in this work. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Jerin. Now, one of the questions I think will be also important now that we have a consensus on actual postural mantis in Parkinsonism. So what is the changes or the impact that will have this consensus on clinical trust in Parkinson's disease regarding the device-assisted therapies? or are they all normal therapies for Parkinson's disease? We believe that this consensus will have an impact in all patients with Parkinson's disease. And I mean, not only in the advanced stages of disease, which maybe is more frequently, and it will have an impact in both research and clinical practice for many reasons. First of all, the early recognition of postural abnormalities. 
is an important point because the early recognition of post-abnormality promotes uh, the, pro the establishment of treatment strategies, including medical therapy, such as dopaminergic medication, DBS, or botulinum toxin injection, but also non-pharmacological intervention, such as physiotherapy and the lifestyle changes. All these actions are used to avoid evolution towards structured, fixed postural abnormalities, leading to severe mechanical constraints, affecting respiration, mobility, postural stability, and therefore increasing the risk of falling. This is the first point. The second reason is to improve the assessment of these patients with postural abnormality to obtain a reliable evaluation of these postural abnormalities, patients should be evaluated with adequate exposures of the affected body parts. As uh, Carlo said before, the degrees of spinal flexion should be calculated in a coronal and a sagittal plane. According to the currently accepted evaluation methods, and I'm talking about, for example, the very useful uh, app, Neuro Posture App, and we recommend to calculate posture degree by analyzing photographs using this app. It's a freeware software-based measurements. You can also use, for example, the volcanometer or the smartphone, but you have to be very careful because possible underestimations of the degree of the transflation should be considered in this case. And another important point of this work is that about the measurements is that these uh, postural abnormalities should be evaluated not only in static condition, but also in dynamic, because often these postural abnormalities can get worse during dynamic condition. And uh, about this point, we have planned a new study with uh, this task force to evaluate uh, these patients uh, during static and dynamic condition in order to quantify and say that it's important to evaluate in dynamic condition. The first point is the proposed criteria can help to overcome the impressive heterogeneity on postural abnormality prevalence data that you find in literature. For example, the percentage of PISA syndrome ranges from 2-9%, camptocormia from 3% to 70%, anticholi from 5% and 9%. And finally, a uniformity in nosology and cutoff values with the novelty, as uh, Carlo Alberto said before, of considering the mild form of postural abnormalities may facilitate research on treatment and prevention program, because prevention program are the most important part of our, so this is the most important part, prevention programs. Thank you, Dr. Guerin. I think that's very sort of appealing just to start to evaluate this patient with this new code of values and understand better the initial manifestations, progression of these actual postural abnormalities. The best strategy is to prevent progression or reduce its ability because of this. I would like to thank again for podcast guests for today's interview, Dr. Tinazzi, Dr. Roberto Artusi, and Dr. Christian Jurein. And also to recommend our audience to read the paper Tax for Consensus on Nosology and Code of Values for Actual Posture and Rheumatis in Parkinsonism that was recently published in Move Disorders in Clinical Practice. Thank you very much for inviting us again 
Thank you. I would like to thank again the Movie Disorder Society for this important opportunity. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Camarades. Goodbye, everyone. Bye bye. The views and opinions expressed by the participants in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the International Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society or their affiliated journals, Movement Disorders and Movement Disorders Clinical Practice. Any disclosures of the participants can be found within the episode description located on the MDS website.